Hello friends and welcome to Navigating the New Normal for Home Medical Equipment and Home Infusion Therapy after COVID-19. This is going to be a great podcast today and we're thankful that you're listening to us. And if you're in this industry, that we're grateful for you being on the front lines for our communities and fighting this invisible enemy in COVID-19. My name is Ty Bello, and I'm the president of Team at Work, and I'm joined today by my friend and colleague, Joey Graham, and Joey is the executive vice president and general manager for ProChant. Welcome, Joey. Thank you so much, Ty. Really looking forward to our time together today, Joey. And you know, today, Joey and I are not coming to you as Team at Work and or as ProChant. Uh, we are coming to you as two individuals who have spent the last 30 years of our career in these two industries. And a few weeks ago, you know, we all shifted to daylight savings time and we lost an hour sleep. And that same week we had Friday the 13th and we all thought the week could not get any worse. Well, we were all desperately wrong. You know, in that same week or a week or so before, Joey and I had released a white paper titled 2021 and Beyond From Surviving to Thriving. Joey, wh why don't you share with the listeners basically the premise of this white paper? Absolutely. Thanks, Ty. So as many of you know, since its launch in 2003, the competitive bidding program has really created hardship for home medical equipment and infusion uh, providers. Um, and so companies that were struggling to survive um, and were typically seeing um, profit margins of 5% or less, um, they were in survival mode, right? Low margins, uh, low quality products for the patients, uh, reduced wages for the employees, just not the best environment to be in. Um, as 2020 began, uh, providers were kind of reflecting on the status of competitive bidding and the future of the program. Um, in round 2021, we were actually supposed to get a pay raise, um, at least if you listen to some in the industry. And so that could have been as much as 20%. So Ty and I had this idea, let's get together and come up with some ideas for where can providers invest some of that extra cash to turbocharge their business in 2021 and, and beyond. You know, when you get this extra cash flow, you wanna make sure you put it in the right spot so that it, it continues to grow your company and, and continues to help you, you uh, grow and thrive. And so, and that was what it was all about. How do we change this mindset from this survival mindset to this, this thriving mindset? So, but let's, let's put that aside. Deeper than that, let's say you're not, you're a pessimist, you're, you're glass half, um, empty kind of guy. And so there really wasn't going to be any kind of pay raise. Um, regardless of all that, if there was going to be some extra money coming in, obviously, or even if there's not extra money coming in, what are some things that you really should be putting your money into to, again, make sure you're growing that, that viable business that's going to be something that'll be there for potentially your children or or if it's something that you're looking to grow and exit. But, you know, there's different things that you need to invest in to, to really grow a, a successful company. Um, so, you know, we also had planned on a, a white paper for the infusion side of the uh, the industry. And, and then everything changed, right? Um, we're going to save that for another day. Um, obviously, like Ty said, uh, you know, early to mid-March, all of a sudden this COVID thing hits. And one month after we published that white paper about moving from surviving to thriving, literally the biggest disruption, the 100-year event happens to us. And it's the biggest disruption we've ever seen in any of our lifetimes. Um, it's a disruption of global proportions. And it's obviously happening right now as, as of this recording. So 
we're kind of back in survival mode, right? Unfortunately. And, and does this change things? Well, yes, of course it changes things. Um, do all the recommendations that Ty and I had talked about in that white paper still apply? No, not all of them, but many of them do still apply. And so what we're going to do in this series of recordings and podcasts is we're going to talk about um, some of those ideas, but we're going to kind of talk about them maybe in a new light, right? We're, because I think that some of those ideas might even be more important than ever. So today, as Ty mentioned, we want to share some valuable information regarding this new normal we're facing in HME and home infusion therapy. And we want to revisit some of the key recommendations that we discussed in that paper, but we want to talk about them given the current circumstances where we think things are going longer term. So we've broken this down into um, separate podcasts so we can keep them to around 25 minutes each. This first one, we're going to focus on financial management, participating in education and in industry events, supporting and serving your team, and finally, what working from home now looks like for your business. Joey, you know, this is kind of like that Marine Corps principle, right? We're, we've really adapted. We're really improvising so that we can overcome this new distraction that we've got, this kind of setback that we've got. So let's, let's jump into the main topic that we want to talk about today. What are some things that you believe providers should be considering now in terms of financial management? Well, Ty, as you know, everything is not business as usual right now. And in the original white paper, the recommendation was pay down high interest debt. Now, certainly that's not a bad idea, but I think our priorities might be a little bit different right now, right? So from a financial perspective, we are seeing some relief, thank goodness, um, which we're going to talk about. We're also seeing some hardship, right? Um, as new business, specifically new prescriptions are taking a hit. You've got all elective surgeries canceled, you know? There's a lot of things happening right now, and so these stay-at-home orders all over the country are have kind of shifted the healthcare system to this COVID response and only what's most important and everything else is on hold. So obviously there are some providers, especially those that are very respiratory heavy um, on the oxygen side and, and, and specifically where they are, they're faring pretty well. And there are some other providers um, who are, are really um, struggling right now, but the realities of payroll product overhead expenses, um, you know, all providers are feeling these these same realities, regardless of whether things are, are, are slightly down or, or significantly down. Um, in general, they're down um, or they're headed down. Um, we have seen some initial bumps, but again, it, the longer this lasts, the longer the stay-at-home order lasts, you know, the, the more we'll see some of those orders drying up. But but there is some, some, some pent-up demand there too, right? So I, I think that we're going to see that on this other side of it, but we've got to survive now. We've got to get through the current situation. So there is a surge on the way, but, but we got to keep our doors open. We've got to serve our communities. So what are some things that I'm recommending um, that providers look at? Uh, right now, there are several programs that providers need to actively engage with. Um, there's a ton of information out there, and I'm not going to go over it in detail here, but I do want to make sure that I kind of uh, give you the summary here so you can maybe jot some of these things down and go out and do some of this research because there is a lot of opportunity out there. Now, what's available to you uh, depends on your business size. And let's basically have three different tiers. The first one will be those companies that are less than 50 employees. 
The next one will those that are between 50 and 500 employees. And finally, there's the large businesses that are over 500 employees. And so what's available depends on what size business you are. Specifically, um, if you're in the less than 50 category, you're going to have the same benefits as the 50 to 500. Um, but you're actually going to also get a couple exceptions where, for specifically, you don't have to provide the two weeks of PTO uh, to employees due to COVID. So if you didn't have that PTO policy already, they don't have the accrued hours, you, do, you don't have to honor that part if you're under the, under the 50. If you're between 50 and 500, that's where a lot of that assistance that came from the CARES Act was targeted for those small businesses, right? That's the really less than 500 employees is what the Small Business Administration considers a small business. And so that's why that breaking point at 500, once you get over 500 employees, you're no longer considered a small business and, and you're generally ineligible for the SBA stuff. Uh, there are some exceptions, but in general, you're ineligible. So that means that you don't have access to the two biggest programs, um, which we're going to talk about, PPP and EIDL. So that's, that's the whole business size piece. But let's talk about some of these programs. The first one is the main program, and it's the, the lifeline that the government has put out there for small business. And it's called Payroll Protection Program. Um, it is essentially a loan, but it will be forgiven as long as those funds are spent on the right stuff, specifically payroll, and there are other things that you can put that money into. Um, the PPP is administered by the Small Business Administration, the SBA. It will cover two months of payroll plus expenses. That's, that's the amount of the loan you can qualify for. It's two months of payroll plus expenses, which is about 2.5 times your monthly payroll cost. So that's what most providers are seeing uh, when they're looking at that. Now, um, the loan is capped at um, a $100,000 per employee. And um, uh, you just want to make sure that, you know, that, that that's in your calculation as well. Um, now, there are some other loans that are available uh, from the Small Business Administration. Uh, now, you have to beware, some of these loans are not able to be used in conjunction with the PPP, the Payroll Protection Program. So let's talk, it is, I know there's a little alphabet soup here, but there's a lot to talk about. So the first SBA loan to think about is called the Economic Injury Disaster Loan. It's called EIDL. That one can be used in conjunction with PPP. So this is one that is able to be used in conjunction. This is the Economic Disaster Loan Program. Um, you have the ability to get a $10,000 advanced immediately. Um, you can qualify for as much as $2 million. Um, and it is forgivable as well, as long as those funds are used for the right stuff. And that's all part of the application program. But that PPP and the EIDL, are the two big things that you've got to make sure you get in line for if you haven't already. There are other SBA loans you can look at. Um, the traditional SBA business loan, which is um, sometimes called the 7A, generally about a $5 million max on that one. Um, there's something called the, the SBA Express Bridge Loan, which would give you $25,000 immediately. It's actually um, done in conjunction with the EIDL. So it would be paid, that bridge loan would be paid back by the EIDL once that was paid. So there's a way for you to get that 25000 immediately if you need that cash flow. And finally, there's some SBA debt relief that was in the CARES Act where they're going to actually cover the SBA loan payments for up to six months in certain situations. So that's, that's huge. 
So the, all, all that information, you just want to go to the SBA website, sba.gov, and you'll see tons of information about these programs. A couple more programs I want to talk about really quick. Um, the Advanced or Accelerated Payments Program, that is available to Medicare providers only. You have the ability to get up to three months of payments in advance based on your historical billing. Repayment begins 120 days from issuance. You have to visit your, um, your Medicare Administrative Contractor, your MAC, um, the DME MAC, or your MAC, you have to get out there to their website and there will be an application you can fill in to, to get those funds. Some providers have already seen funds in their bank and that is from another program. That program is the Public Health and Social Services Emergency Fund. That is the $30 billion in payments that they just released um, on Friday the 10th of April to um, several providers. Um, now they're not completely paid yet. I know some providers still haven't gotten them. But this is essentially as much as 10% of your annual Medicare billing that has been just put in your bank account. Um, and you have 30 days to accept the terms and conditions of those funds. Um, they will be forgiven as long as they're used for the right stuff, like payroll. So it's, it's almost like a healthcare-specific PPP that they just funded. They just sent out the money already. Um, and finally, there's some other things. There's tax credits that are part of the CARES Act. Those would apply to those big businesses, the 500 plus, as w all the businesses. Would it, would, you know, there's payroll tax credits, paid sick leave credits, child care leave credits, and employee retention credits. So those four credits you want to write down, payroll tax credit, paid sick leave credit, child care leave credit, and the employee retention credit. And finally, you can um, delay some of your employer payroll taxes, like your FICA payments. You have the ability to talk to your accountant about this, but you may not have to pay that FICA portion um, until the end of the year. And of course, from the, the last thing I want to say from a financial management perspective is we all have to be thinking about reducing our expenses and you know making sure that we're we're being um, you know smart with with where we're putting our money, right? And there are some strategies you want to think about. Um, you know, uh, interest-only payments on your, um, your your big loans that you have out there. Most of the banks are allowing that, where you're just paying the interest and not paying down the principal. Um, you know, you maybe think you're kicking the can down the road, but if you need the money, then you, you need the money. So do that. Um, a lot of landlords are allowing deferral of lease and rent payments. So there's something to talk about or maybe partial payments, but generally it is a deferral, so you're still going to own it or owe it. And finally, um, you know, eliminating non-essential expenses, right? You've got it. Now's the time to prune the tree. And the big things I recommend looking at are those, those automatic things that just hit your credit cards and your bank accounts. And you maybe don't think about them that much, especially the big subscription services. Like, let's say you have Microsoft Office 365 or Zoom or something. Dig into those invoices and make sure that you really need all those licenses, right? You don't want to be paying... 30, 40, 50 bucks a month per head for, for seats that you don't actually need. So those are all different things I wanted to, to mention, Ty, in terms of financial management. That's great. And so you believe, and I think we both do, but you believe, and you gave us a great outline here, that there's no better time than right now really to prepare for this than right now, right? Absolutely. you got to get started immediately if you haven't already. Uh, those two big ones I talked about, you have to get in line with the small business. Now, as of this recording, the news is saying that they're out of money, but 
you don't don't fret because right now there are bills being pushed through Congress that are going to put more funds in. I, I feel confident that they're going to actually honor this program. So get in line with the SBA. You do that through your bank and get in line for the PPP and the EIDL, the Payroll Protection Act and the Economic Injury Disaster Loan. Those two things for sure. You should already have some money in the bank from Medicare. If not, it should be coming shortly. And then you can look at some of those other things like the accelerated payments. Obviously, talk to your accountant and your CPA about the tax credits, the payroll taxes. And then, you know, talk to your management team and your accountant and, and really dig into those expenses. Make sure you're not paying for stuff you don't need to be. And all that is, is stuff you need to be working on right away. Is Keep an eye on those hidden automatic recurring expenses. So, Ty, I have a question for you. Yeah. How can providers participate in education and industry events? Uh, great question. And I think it really, um, it's very timely, too. You know, obviously, a lot of things have been going on right now. And I, I believe that we can truly look at where we are today as an opportunity. So I'm, that, I'm the half-full guy, not the half-empty guy, right? Uh, and it's an opportunity for us to grow personally and professionally. You know, I've stayed um, close to social media. Obviously, I've practiced social distancing. Ha-ha, Joe, you're supposed to laugh at that. Oh, you did that. Good job. I'm proud of you. Great job. Uh, here, here's what I've noticed. There's always the need for education, and we need to take advantage of that. And right now might, might be the absolute best time. Uh, I've talked with dozens of providers, home medical equipment, home infusion therapy, complex rehab, and the likes. And they are all operating in this semi-new normal. I don't know that we know what the new normal is exactly yet, but they're operating as is right now. And if anything, the day-to-day -day has changed drastically. J just think about, you just think about a few things. We now have team members working from home. And Joey, I know you're going to talk about that later on, but, but this is a, and will adjust our workday. And if it's adjusted our workday, let me emphasize that this can, it really, really can, possibly provide us with more time in our day to provide and grow our skill set through extended learning. So we should take advantage of the time as individuals, as leaders, as owners, to kind of help our team fill up on as much education as they possibly can. Listen, our state and national associations, respectively, are offering countless webinars as are the medical journals that are in our industries, and uh, they're doing a great job. There's so much information out there. And if there it was ever a time to quote unquote go back to school, in, in this sense, as a profession, as a professional, this might be a great time for that. But, but let me encourage everyone to look beyond uh, what is being offered within our industry and or clinical career path. I always believe in exploring other areas for education and for growing. So look at other offerings that could be out there that could help kind of ground you, ground us for when we do come out of this. You know, right now we have, we have several state and national meetings that have been rescheduled for, the last, for, for this year, and some of them have even been canceled. Now, when we come out of this, and we will come out of this, there will be an extreme sense, I believe, of urgency to be more productive and to kind of make up some ground maybe that we've lost. The fact is there's some ground that we're never going to we're never going to get back. It's never going to be recovered. I, I'll address that probably later on in this podcast. But but when we come out of this and the state and the national events come back online, don't cut back. Don't cut back on that. Instead, I think you need to press into this or lean into this. 
and send as many people as you possibly can. The messages, just the messages alone, are going to be filled with so much value. There will be new revenue streams to consider, as well as new policies and procedures for operations, and obviously for the revenue cycle, that will need to be clarified. So if I have a message to the provider regarding education, it would be twofold. First, educate now. Then, when we come out of this, educate and send your team members to the state and national meetings. Great message, Ty. Are there additional ways for providers to educate and serve their teams as we come out of this environment? Yeah, abs- absolutely. Yeah, gr- great question, too. Absolutely. So whether, whether you laid off, furloughed, or kept your staff on during this entire time, everyone on the team has suffered to one degree or another. Uh, when I think of this, I think, how can we come alongside of our teams beyond simply being their employer? Now, now and then, I believe, we, we get on the other side of this. And as employers, we could make a significant impact in the lives of our team members. And I believe this. I believe what we do today will be an investment for how we will operate as a team going forward. So don't lose sight of what we experienced and we've accomplished during this time. Go, when you go into the office, welcome your team every single morning. And at the end of the day, thank them for a great workday and for all that they've given you as a team and thank them for serving you. Have one-on-one meetings with your team members and help them assess their financial and family situation right now, where they're at right now. I know you've got them employed, but maybe maybe their significant other, maybe their spouse has been let go and, and or furloughed. And, and there's a gap there in their finances. You know, obviously you've got to keep this fully confidential, but I think this is a good time to have those conversations with them. And, and be prepared. Be prepared to offer them financial advice through maybe a, a trusted financial advisor. Maybe this. Offer to pay for an online budgeting course if that's a struggle for them. Even offer for counseling for their family. Whatever insurance will pay, that, that's great. Maybe you can add a couple of sessions. Offer them maybe even like a group support therapy session if, if that's needed. Consider where it's applicable for maybe on your team to give them an interest-free loan that would be payroll deducted later on as things settle down. You know, this next one that I'm going to recommend, it's kind of out of the box. Um, Have the entire team pick a local charity or service that's still struggling. And as a team, you go and you volunteer. This will do all of you a lot of good. It gets your mind off of and out of work, maybe even off of some of the struggles that you're going through, and you get to serve others. This will really heal the soul of your company. Finally, when we come out of this, we've got to have, we've got to have a celebration. You've got to pick a day and we've got to celebrate. Have the team, have a family party, make it a potluck, enjoy the company, share stories, be grateful for each other, for life, and for the chance to serve others. So, so Joey, I mentioned earlier in this whole thing that, you know, the work from home thing, and that's what brings me back to this. Some of these folks, these providers are out there with half shifts, right? People working half time in the office, half time at home, and then they rotate the next week, or they've put a lot of people in the home setting and got computers up. So I, I mentioned earlier that we, I talked about work from home environment. You know, we're experiencing as, as providers today, 
you have some real experience with this. First, I got two, two parts to the question. Where do you see this going for providers? And second, what are some tips that you can lend them as they transition back to office work and or keep work for a home force? Great question, Ty. Thank you. And, you know, creating a work from home operation is, is generally not something you can just spin up in a matter of days. I mean, it took our team months to make this transition. So, but unfortunately, spinning up a work from home strategy essentially overnight is something that uh, many providers have had to face. Of course, the key areas of concern are uh, the equipment, the connectivity, the security, and the environment. So, so those are the four things we're going to talk about for a second. Um, obviously, not every provider has allocated laptops or other portable equipment to their teams. While some providers are allowing employees to bring corporate computer equipment home temporarily, others are actually allowing employees to use their personal equipment, such as personal laptops. Each strategy comes with its own challenges, and both strategies can work. Connectivity can be an issue for employees who don't have home internet, um, or those whose home internet is slow or unreliable, especially those that are out in very rural areas. Some providers are providing employees with mobile internet via like a supplemental pay so that they can get the mobile hotspot on their um, their smartphone, or even getting them those MiFi, you know, portable Wi-Fi devices. While not ideal, cellular internet can be valuable um, as a valuable resource to your work from home team because it really has come a long way. Several years ago, it really wasn't a viable option, but nowadays you can join virtual meetings, you can do your work all through a cellular internet connection. So don't let that be something that stops you. Um, security, though, is the thing that, that's kind of a, a showstopper for some people. I mean, security is a primary concern. And even with, you know, they, they've announced that some HIPAA enforcement has been relaxed due to the COVID thing. But regardless, no provider wants to be involved in a data breach. And, and you know, <clears throat> I don't think they're going to be that forgiving. So there are some strategies that providers are utilizing to ensure that their work from home employees are working in a secure environment. And those include the use of things like VPN tunnels or, you know, virtual private network tunnels, VDI, which stands for Virtual Desktop Infrastructure, or DAAS, which is Desktop as a Service. They both mean the same thing, and that's when your team members are logging into a company-controlled desktop environment that's on a server. It's not their local desktop on the computer in front of them. So, so that way you have all the control over that environment uh, when, you, when you put them into something like that. Uh, finally, employees' living environments may or may not be conductive to working from home. Some of us don't realize how good we have it. Even if we don't have a dedicated office, we can use our bedroom or the kitchen table to work from home. Some are just not so fortunate. It is important that we're sensitive to those situations. Uh, some providers may allow employees to come into the office as essential, um, following all the social distancing guidelines so that they're able to remain productive throughout the current pandemic. Um, so all things considered, where are we going with providers is, uh, you know, they're gonna, we're gonna get through this, there's no doubt that we're gonna get through this, this pandemic um, as a strong industry. And, um, and with, with the resiliency that we've seen for years now um, in these industries, um, it's likely, and I've talked to many providers, it's likely that as many as 20, 25% of the people who have been sent home to work will not be coming back 
they'll be staying at home, staying as a work from home employee. I think that providers are going to see that where maybe we don't need as much real estate. Maybe we don't need to have these giant call centers that we used to think we had to have. Um, we're learning and COVID has become a digital transformer to force us all to say, hey, maybe work from home is, 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 is okay. It's something that we can figure out. It's it's kind of like what we're hearing about telehealth and telemedicine right now too. It's kind of that's forced, true. It's kind of been force fed on us, right? So guess what? We come out of this. I think that too is going to play a big part in this, don't you? Absolutely. I mean, think about that. The the fact that telemedicine up to this point was so difficult to get, and you know, wasn't covered by Medicare unless all these stringent requirements were met, and it just. It was this feet dragging. And so you're right, Ty. I, I'm excited to see what happens, especially with telemedicine, as we move forward. Yeah. And, and to your point earlier, I'm hearing a lot from providers, too, that are saying, you know, there's, there's going to be some workforce that might stay out there and work from home. But there's going to be some folks that are coming back. You, you got any tips to offer the, the employees as they transition back, from, back to the office and, and or uh, keep a work from home force? Sure. So first for the, the, the team that's staying at home, you know, it's important that even though we did have to flip a switch and do this overnight, now we've got to put together a formal work from home program at our organizations. And that typically involves IT and HR kind of coordinating on some rules of engagement for those work for home employees. Um, this is going to be generally summarized in some kind of agreement that we get the employee to sign. From an IT perspective, the work from home team will need to be provided with a PC or laptop and at least two screens. There's usually some kind of monthly allowance for internet or other costs associated with work from home. Since these employees are accessing secure servers from unsecured internet connections, your IT team will put together guidelines to ensure that HIPAA is met. For the team that's going back into the office, it's important to recognize that some of the team may work from home again if COVID or another situation resurfaces. You may want to consider purchasing laptops over desktops for better portability, at least for a, a portion of your team. <clears throat> With the right I underlying IT infrastructure, you can even deploy things like Chromebooks, which if you don't know what that is, a Chromebook is a super low cost alternative to a laptop. Um, it doesn't really have a local uh, ability to processing power, it, it connects up to the cloud. It's like an internet laptop, essentially. As people reacclimate to the office, there'll be some new social norms. I, I hate to say it, but handshaking may be done for, at least for a while. You know, it's it just may make some people uncomfortable. So even if you're the person who doesn't really mind and you, you like to shake hands and you're going to keep shaking hands, I think it's important that you recognize others may not be okay with that. And even the elbow bumping, that kind of forces us to come into contact with others. I think it's just important that everyone continues to respect social distancing and, and getting permission before entering another employee's bubble. You know, don't crowd others. Just just be respectful. And, and you know, with a larger portion of the team working from home and the rest of the team following this social distancing, the workplace of the future will see fewer face-to-face -face meetings, I think. I think we're going to lean more and more on virtual meetings and collaboration tools like Microsoft Teams and Zoom. Um, you know, I mentioned it earlier, coronavirus is leading a digital transformation in healthcare right now, forcing each and every one of us to reevaluate the way we do business and embrace technology like never before. And, and therein lies what we're talking about in this new normal. This is going to change the way we do business. It already has. 
but I don't. I think we're just scratching the surface of what this is going to do when we get back out there. Absolutely. You know, Joey, this has been uh, it's been a great time with you. Great, amazing information. You've truly provided a terrific roadmap for the providers. And folks, Joey and I both hope that uh, this conversation has been very, very helpful. You know, a recording of this podcast is going to remain av uh, available for the foreseeable future. Um, if, if by any chance you found value in this, please, we'd ask that you'd share this with others. Uh, have, like us on LinkedIn, Twitter, on Facebook. Now, there is a part two. We mentioned that early on. Joey did early on. Uh, part two of this podcast, it's going to be sent out sometime in the next couple of weeks. And here's what part two will have for you. How to implement an operating system. A crisis always causes us to redirect our priorities. We're also going to talk about tapping into resources, providers, and also experts that are out there. We're going to talk about looking for opportunities and growth opportunities. And then we're going to finally finish up the podcast next time, the strategy. A goal without a plan is nothing more than a wish. So for Joey and myself, thank you all for taking the time to listen, and we look forward to your feedback. Thank you, Joey, for being here. I look forward thank to our next so podcast much. together. Thanks, everyone. I really appreciate it. Thank you.